Welcome to Spew, Spectrum People Enjoying Wizardry. I'm Quirinus, and I have Asperger's Syndrome. I'm Lavender, and my daughter Abby Cadabby has nonverbal autism. And I now call this 17th meeting of Spew to order. Hello, Queerness. How are you this fine morning? I am pretty good this fine morning, actually. That's good. There's a virus. <laughs> Let's just cut right to it, guys. There is a virus. It's killing the economy. <laughs> buy stock. Buy lots of stock. Buy all the stock right now. Yeah, I'm trying, but I'm still broke. But no, how long How long have you been quarantined now? Uh, about a week. I'm going on about two weeks. Little over. I guess week and a half. And I feel like I just got the first good night's sleep last night. I woke up at a decent time so we could record. I have like a little office now because I work from home. And you have lots know. of monitors. I have lots of monitors. Not enough, though. I'm still like halfway from my usual. <laughs> and I'm using a totally different computer to record this with. So there's an extra monitor up here anyways. Lots of electronics. Oh, I love electronics. I do too, most of the time. As long as I have you to help me with them, then I feel like I'm fine. Well, in our new business this month, a couple things to talk about. First thing, we're on TikTok now for some reason. <laughs> I don't know how that happened. I saw an ad and I clicked on it, which is bad. But I like clicking on ads because it means that the company I dislike that I clicked on has to pay for it. Fighting capitalism every chance you get, queerness. Anyway, we are at SpewCast on TikTok. And this last week and a half since I've been quarantined, I made a new mashup video in which I made basically a music video for I Do Anything for Love with Snape. It's amazing, you guys. I love it. You'll see that on YouTube. My username is backward barbecue b c k w r d b b q. We've only got a couple of important dates, not many for April. No, big one is April first. Today is Fred and George Weasley's birthday, which is so fitting that the twins were born on April Fool's Day to me. That just makes perfect sense. And also, Teddy Lupin was born sometime in April. We don't know exactly when, but happy birthday, all anyways. We do have some real-world birthdays, too. Two Davids. David Bradley, who played Filch, April 17th. And David Tennant, who played Barty Grouch Jr., is April 18th. Yay. Happy birthday to you, too, as well. David Bradley is still alive, and I'm happy with that. I am happy with that. And he's still acting. Like, yes. quite a bit. <laughs> what are we going to talk about, Queerness? We're going to talk about COVID-19. April Fools, we're going to talk about made-up wizard diseases. <laughs> so, I decided it'd be fun to talk about wizards and diseases. Very early on, J.K. Rowling decided that because the series was about death, that she had to decide very early on what could or couldn't kill a wizard, and what diseases they could or couldn't get, and why. And so she very early on decided that wizards are able to either cure or overcome most 
mundane muggle diseases fairly easily. However, they could not easily overcome magical diseases or death. So the resurrection stone does not fully bring people back to life, but a broken bone is easily mended. But things like Mad-Eye Moody's leg and eye, because they were lost through magical means, could not be brought back. Hmm. I still feel like they could have done better with like a replacement leg for Moody instead of just like a peg leg. But what, what do I know? I'm a mere muggle. In the movie, it's like a metal robotic leg, but without any of the robotics. Was it? Yeah, I just watched a clip the other day. I'm like, I don't remember that. But yeah, it's like a metal robotic leg. I'm sure there'll be another Harry Potter marathon on sci-fi. I'll check that out. I don't remember that either. Moving on. (laughs) Wizards do have ways of dealing with, like, the flu and many uh, serious injuries. Historians credit Linfred of Stinchcombe, also known as the Potterer, (laughs) and the patriarch of the Potter family, is the originator of many remedies that eventually evolved into the potions still used today, like Skelligro and Pepperup Potion. Sales of those cures is the original source of the Potter gold. Okay, so the head of the Potter family, the Potterer, it was a healer. Yeah. Interesting. And that actually answered a question I had about um, royalties. Harry doesn't get royalties because he sold all of this stuff. Now, wizards do have a more difficult time dealing with wizard diseases, such as lycanthropy, spattergroit, and dragonpox. Uh, But the Statue of Secrecy actually keeps the world separate enough that muggles don't come in contact with any of these. So first off, let's talk about the common cold even though that is not a wizard disease, but because the coronavirus is the most common cause of the common cold, so would wizards survive it? Probably. They have a pepper-up potion, which causes steam to come out of their ears. Although, it doesn't really seem to be a cure as much as a thing for the symptoms. I was about to say, it's like, seems like it's like taking an Advil for the symptoms. But they've had it for a good long time. It was invented in the 18th century by Glover Worth, but it was based on the work of Limford of Stinchcombe all the way back in the 12th century. Hmm, okay. All right, now moving on to the fun stuff. Dragonpox. <laughs> so dragonpox was first reported by wizards working closely with Peruvian vipertooths, which is why it's called dragonpox. They were working with dragons. It causes your skin to turn green, and it's long-lasting. There's a green and purple rash that grows between the toes, and sparks come out of your nostrils when you sneeze. Oh my gosh. One of the earliest records we have of it is from the 1100s. Gunhilda Knien was recorded as having to forego playing chaser in a Quidditch match. Is it highly contagious then? I don't think it's super contagious, but it is contagious. Okay. But what's kind of interesting is, even though that that case was in the 1100s, the first known person to die from it was Chauncey Oldridge in 1379. So like a couple hundred years later. Right. And the cure wasn't invented until the 16th or 17th century by Gunhilda de Gormor. (laughs) But even though there was a cure, it did not eradicate the disease and many elderly still die from it. So we have several actual references to this. Draco's grandfather Ambraxis died of it. 
and Harry's grandparents, Fleamont and Euphemia Potter, both died of it. But then we also have an interesting case where Tina and Queenie Goldstein's parents died of it in the 1900s, but they were apparently in their 20s? The parents or Tina and Queenie? Their parents. Were in their 20s? Well, I mean... The late 20s. Early. Yeah. They were young, which is confusing, since apparently only old people die of it. I think... J.K. Rowling just likes killing people with dragon pox. <laughs> and then we have Spattergroit. <laughs> this one is highly contagious and is caused by a fungus. But this one does result in parents pulling children from school because it's so contagious. It manifests as purple pustules that leave scars, as unusual fatigue. And if the disease reaches the uvula, the victim is unable to speak. Oh. Cerebrumus spattergroit is a specific strain that has the added symptom of confusion and memory loss. And this is one of the theories as to why no one remembers the 1877 Quidditch World Cup. <laughs> There's actually several theories because it happened, but no one remembers it. <laughs> so... Yeah, there's, there's actually a whole bunch of information about this specific World Cup. We could probably do a whole episode on just that. I was about to say, hey, that's a that's an episode idea right there. And a portrait at St. Mungo's mistook Ron's freckles as spattergroit. And the cure that it suggested is taking the liver of a toad, binding it around the throat, and standing f naked by the full moon in a barrel of eel's eyes. <laughs> yeah, I just read this passage. <laughs> this passage. I just read that part the other day. <laughs> and then we start getting into the little more interesting ones the first one being lycanthropy which jk rowling has stated on multiple cases is meant to be a reference to bloodborne diseases such as hiv okay and werewolves in general have been subject of lots of laws and rules and stuff and the ministry of magic has had some sort of muddled law since 1637 where they required all werewolves to register and no one signed up. <laughs> and also, this is actually similar with centaurs, because centaurs don't like associating with humans at all. Right. So werewolves and centaurs are constantly being moved back and forth from being part of the Ministry of Magic's beast division and being division. No one can decide whether they're a beast or a being. Ridiculous. Also, muggles rarely survive the attack. And that's why almost all werewolves are wizards. Silver indittany can heal the wound. It doesn't actually cure anything. And a lot of people would rather just die. Wolfsbane potion was invented in the later half of the 20th century and allows the werewolf to maintain human mind. It is very expensive and disgusting and is intended to represent antiretrovirals used for keeping... HIV from developing into full-blown versions. Hmm. Interesting parallel. Yeah. That's an interesting parallel that I did not know about. And then we, I, I included Dementors here because of the fact that Dementors were supposed to represent depression. They were created shortly after J.K. Rowling's mother died, and so it's meant to be a direct correlation there. Chocolate is the antidote. 
anyone who has been in their presence should eat chocolate. This was interesting. I found this as a, this is a direct paragraph that J.K. Rowling wrote and is like a warning on Pottermore was, chocolate can only be a short-term remedy. Finding ways to fight dementors or depression are essential if one is to become permanently happier. Excessive chocolate consumption cannot benefit muggle or wizard. Nice little disclaimer. <laughs> also, chocolate is kind of an overused remedy throughout the books. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that. And then I just have a fun little fact that I didn't find any other place to put that during the 14th century plague, Nicholas Malfoy may have killed many, many muggle tenants and disguised their deaths as plague victims. But the reason I say may have killed muggles is because he was never actually charged with this. Yay, Malfoys. <laughs> I was about to say, go Malfoys, killing muggles forever. Not really, I do not endorse killing muggles. That's ridiculous. <laughs> All right. We are going to go visit our friends over at Gringotts. But first, here's a trivia question from Prisoner of Azkaban. How many times did Wendelin the Weird allow herself to be burnt at the stake? We'll be right back. This is Jeffrey, the financial advisor for Spew at Gringotts Bank. And now we return to Spew. All right, we are back. So, Lavender, how many times did Wendelin the Weird allow herself to be burnt? You remember this at all? <sighs> I do, but I don't remember the exact number, of course. It wasn't super high. It wasn't super low, either. <laughs> I'm gonna say... 19. 47. Okay. <laughs> I think I would have guessed in the hundreds. But that's just one of those fun little throwaway things that was in the first chapter. Yeah. Just a quick little reminder... The 15th of this month, we are going to be covering the first 11 chapters of Prisoner of Azkaban as if it was a metaphor for autism. So join us for that. And let's move on to our news in the Daily Prophet. We've got a good amount of coronavirus news. Not all bad. <laughs> Actually, most of it not bad. All right. <laughs> J.K. Rowling and the Blair Partnership have relaxed copyright requirements for teachers worldwide so that they can post videos of themselves reading from the seven books. It has to be posted on a secure school network, and it must be deleted by the end of the school year. Then I, like, actually went in and read the requirements, and I'm like, I don't think anyone's reading this because people are just posting it to, like, YouTube and putting it on a private link instead. <laughs> but it has to be put on a private secure network. You must notify the Blair Partnership in email with the teacher's name, the school, what is being read, and what network it's posted on. And then you have to email them again when the videos are deleted. Golly, that's a lot of hoops to jump through. Come on. I mean, not as many hoops as there normally would be, but true. still a lot of hoops. Yeah. Also, Daniel Radcliffe did not test positive for COVID-19. <laughs> Why do people spread false rumors like this? I don't. It's so pointless. Because they're bored in quarantine and have nothing better to do. <laughs> All productions of Cursed Child have been paused. That did mean that the current Broadway cast, because they do their cast yearly. So the year two cast ended up having to end their run a little early, so they were not able to have their actual final performance. 
which is sad. That's very sad. Warner Brothers actually waited till like the day of shooting on March 15th before they postponed Fantastic Beasts 3. Warner Brothers was like the last holdout. All the other major studios had already stopped production and like the day before people are like are they really gonna shoot this movie but then um dan fogler who played jacob he's done an interview since then and said he's read the script he thinks the script feels a lot more like the first movie and hinted that we're gonna get the beginning of a massive war against the world war ii backdrop so Hmm. i look forward to watching that in our not news basically all of these are from a interview that Daniel Radcliffe did. Most of these are things that he has talked about many times before and is not new information, but because he did a new interview, it got spread around like it was. Of course. They, of course, asked him if he was going to be returning to play Harry Potter. He basically said, I don't think so. I don't like saying no to things, but he's not rushing to do it. The m- films have moved on to something else and they don't need him at the moment. He says he'll, he's not saying no, but he doesn't like the idea of going back to a franchise because he doesn't want to be locked into a series of movies for a long period of time, which all sounds perfectly sane, but he's also not saying no, which to me says in six years when they get around to making a Cursed Child movie, he may return. Hmm, okay, <laughs> that would be cool to see. Also, he talked a little bit about Near the end of the movies, he did kind of turn to alcohol for a while, and now he's sober. Again, not surprising, not new information. Right. Now, one question that took him by surprise was, how did Quirrell sleep with Voldemort on the back of his head? (laughs) Hard-hitting journalism. I love it. And so his answer is that the only practical thing would be to sleep on your side unless Voldemort doesn't need air, which as long as there's breath coming into the body, he probably could just sleep on his front because he would still circulate air around. He tried his best to answer it. (laughs) Most people just say he had to sleep on his side, but no, Voldemort doesn't need air, maybe. (laughs) I don't know. Some up. Dates to previous news. The Toronto production of Cursed Child has announced their cast list. Um, We've actually got a couple returning people. Fiona Reed, previously played Umbridge on Broadway, is actually going to be playing McGonagall. And Sarah Farb is reprising her role from Broadway as Delphine. We do have some information now on who bought MuggleNet. Maybe. Maybe. (laughs) It appears now to be part of Topics Media Lab, which is a magazine publisher. And so they have been, through MuggleNet, been publishing Harry Potter-related magazines for a while and have been kind of marketing them through MuggleNet, which Twitter did not like. (laughs) There was a big Twitter thread where people just, like, you can't market stuff without saying it's an ad. And I was like, but it's not an ad because it's their own product. But no one knew it was their own product. They thought it was just a recommendation. It's Twitter was in a frenzy. Twitter is always in a frenzy. A couple Daniel Radcliffe movies have come out. I haven't actually talked about these ones. He's been actually doing quite a bit lately. Guns Akimbo is a movie in which he has guns nailed to his hands and he is forced to fight to the death. <laughs> and then he also did... 
a movie that just came out that's more grounded in reality. It's called Escape from Pretoria, and it's a prison escape film based on true events. Daniel Radcliffe and his new movies coming out. I love Daniel Radcliffe. (laughs) And one of the main things I love about him is he always picks the absolute weirdest roles. And I love it. He went from Harry Potter to doing whatever he wants and he does not care. (laughs) He tries really hard to find movies that are not Harry Potter. (laughs) Yes. Did you you see uh, Swiss Army Man? (laughs) <laughs> no, because that one looks so weird. I don't know if I can do it. <laughs> I quite enjoyed it, but it's a terrible movie. What? No, don't tell me that. It's it's enjoyable, but bad. Is it bad on purpose? I mean, he plays a farting corpse. I Yes? <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't brought myself to watch that one. <sighs> And follow up to Johnny Depp's ongoing anti-defamation case, Winona Ryder, who was engaged to Johnny Depp from like 90 to 93, and Penelope Cruz, who's worked with him on several movies, have now spoke out in his favor and are like actual witnesses or whatever. So, okay. (laughs) I, I, I just don't like the fact that we have to talk about Johnny Depp on this podcast. I know. In new, new news, not exactly new, but the last couple months, Daniel Radcliffe has been in a double-billed play with Alan Cumming in England. It's two plays by Samuel Beckett, Endgame, and Ruffrith Theatre 2, which Samuel Beckett, I'm not familiar with those two plays, but I am familiar with Samuel Beckett, and he's like this weird... Very philosophical, but nonsense plays. His most famous show is Waiting for Godot, which is just like two hours of two people waiting for Godot, and Godot never shows up. So, all right. They've been doing this show for a couple months, and then on March 15th, they ended up having to cut the run short by two weeks. So, that has now ended. Of course. And then, this is a movie I've been excited about, but actually did not realize that there were so many Harry Potter-related people involved in it. That's Artemis Fowl, which is scheduled to come out on May 29th. Kenneth Branagh, who played Gilderoy Lockhart, is the director. And Colin Farrell, who played Percival Graves, is in it as well. So, I'm excited for that one. Bloomsbury and Scholastic have released new covers for a new illustrated edition of Quidditch Through the Ages. Both of them are illustrated by Emily Gravat? Gravit? But they have different covers. Mm -hmm. I don't understand why there's two completely different covers, but they're the same illustrations. They just couldn't decide. Scholastic tries really hard to just, like, not be Bloomsbury, and I don't know why. I definitely want to pick one of these up, though. (laughs) I don't have Quidditch through the ages yet, so I think I'd like it illustrated. Warner Brothers UK has a new program called Imagine Creative Careers. Um, The first event was hosted by BBC presenters and is available through their on-demand system. And it's basically a group of students learned about various film talent in a program called Making the Magic from Story to Screen. And it was actually held in the Great Hall set at the studio tour. Hmm. Zynga, 
Or is it Zynga? I think it's Zynga. Zynga. They are releasing a new Match 3 game under the Portkey Games label. It is called Harry Potter Puzzles and Spells, and supposedly has narrative and spellcasting, so... Hold on, wait. Is it a mobile game or a board game? It's a mobile game. Boo. It's... it's Zynga. They... they make bad mobile games that grandparents are addicted to. Stop it. (laughs) I just really hate mobile games in general. Like, I don't really like any of them. Ugh. There goes our chance ever for endorsements from mobile game carriers. <laughs> Oops. In Pakistan, Kayali Productions has just premiered a fan film entitled The Last Follower and the Resurrection of Voldemort, which takes place like 200 years in the future and then like somebody like tries to resurrect Voldemort. Anyway, it's it's a Pakistani fan film premiered at Government College University, 12 showings over four days, and over 5,000 people came to see it. Hmm. I think I would like to see that. And then March 28th, Jason Isaacs and Tom Felton posted a 20-minute video chat for the Red Cross. It is legitimately just 20 minutes of them chatting. Just, just basic everyday chit chat hey how are you in the fams chit chat it was really cute but yes also tom felton does not know how to use skype apparently (laughs) like a third of the video was him trying to figure out how to use skype yep look at you where'd you go where'd you go no i'm still here i can't see myself i can see i can only see you click your camera you luddite it's really cute And then in autism news, don't have a lot going on this month, but Vans, this is now the second time Vans has been featured in our show, Mm -hmm. they have released a new autism awareness collection, which is basically calm color palettes, comfy cush technology, and additional foam and rubber overlays for additional comfort, which, again, most of them are ugly. There is one pair that I looked at and I was just like, oh, that is definitely something that Lavender would buy for Abby. And then I showed it to you and you're just all like, she doesn't like slip-ons. Yeah. <laughs> and the, that is the same exact issue I ran into with the Harry Potter collection is the Hufflepuff ones only came in slip-ons. I know. Why, why they do this? I don't know. Truth be told, I don't really like slip-ons either. They're very uncomfortable. I always assumed that slip-ons were like slippers with soles, but no, they're they're very uncomfortable. Very flat. Very flat. And then you told me that you're not supposed to wear Vans with socks. And then I kind of had like a crisis because why? <laughs> Uh, yeah i mean it's kind of a thing that's up in the air because after we had that conversation i googled it and like it seems like 50 percent of the world thinks you are supposed to wear socks and 50 percent of the world thinks you're not and it grosses me out which is another reason i don't wear slip-ons because i always thought you weren't supposed to wear socks with it and that's nasty and then so the next day i tried wearing my hufflepuff shoes without socks and it was more uncomfortable. See? 
Oh, wow. It was a thing. Let us know what you guys think, please. Are you supposed to wear slip-ons with socks or not? We need to know. And you can do that by sending us owl mail at spewcast at gmail.com. Or you can send us a howler at 407-706-SPEW. That's 407-706-7739, where there's a link in the description. But contact us. Give us any thoughts you might have, any stories you have of Harry Potter or autism, or you read Prisoner of Azkaban in the next couple weeks and you come across a metaphor that you would like to share with us, give us a call. Or you can follow us on Twitter at Spectrum People. You can also check out our Facebook page. It's facebook.com slash spewcast. We also have an Instagram. That's spewpod on Instagram. And like Queerness said earlier, we are now on TikTok at spewcast. And our website is spewpod.uk. And as always, we'd like to thank Joan Burr for our theme music. And until next time, I'm Queerness. And I'm Lavender. And as Luna Lovegood said... Don't worry, you're just as sane as I am. Bye. Bye.